And then the last thing is we have a very special person that's going to share with us today. Michelle is going to share with us today. And she's going to share with us a little bit about her story and her life and how God has uh, influenced her life. So the o- two things. or Well, yeah, two things. Michelle's awesome. Okay. You so guys are awesome. <laughs> just make sure you give her all your respect and you listen because her story uh, is really powerful and awesome. All right. And it might have something, might have something in, that's similar and common with her. And, uh, and by listening, you can talk to her after or whenever and be like, hey, let's talk about this. Uh, and I think actually there's not a second thing. Just let's be good listeners. Let's be good listeners and listen to Michelle and uh, just actually listen to her and her story and her life. All right. Awesome. Uh, if you press that, it'll go to the next picture. So you can just, you, you got it all. All right. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Whoa, whoa. guys for that all right well some of you guys haven't heard my story some of you guys have so sorry for the redundancy if you've heard it before I'm not going to go into great detail um, because that's not the purpose of me telling my story I want to talk about my my journey with Christ Um, but my story starts in a very dark place so uh, growing up let me can I do this right I don't know how to do this. There we go. So the story starts actually not here in America. The story actually starts in Korea. So that is my mother with my brother. My brother immigrated with my mom. um, And uh, she fell in love with an American GI on the military campus. Um, She got pregnant, went home, told her parents she got pregnant. And her her mother, my grandmother, said, you must get married right away. Because if you don't, it's shame for the entire family. She brings my father home. And that's like the beginning of the end. So she said, you didn't tell me you got touched by a white man. You were no longer my daughter. This is too much shame for our family to bear and disowns her. So my father, not being a good man, um, got dishonorably discharged. We still don't know the story of why he got dishonorably discharged. He comes to America, he gets a a flight ticket for my mom and my brother to immigrate here. And uh, she didn't realize that this man that she now has committed her life to was an alcoholic and drug addict and severely beat her and abused her. And subsequently she has two more kids, me being the middle one and my sister being the youngest. So, So this is me and my brother, so um, you can see that we look like siblings, although if you see us now, we have some similarities, but um, he looks very different today. And this is my sister. So the reason why I wanted to show this picture is because growing up, my mother would say things like, if I didn't birth you, I wouldn't believe you were my child. You're so white, right? So I was not uh, ethnic enough for my mom, but I was too ethnic for the white kids, right? So where did I fit? Didn't fit anywhere, right? So growing up, um, you know, I was abused at home and then I was abused at school. I was bullied. I got nicknamed the redheaded chink. So that was, uh, although now I feel like I can like brush that off, but when you're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years of age, 
that's pretty scarring. You know, I can't change my skin color. I can't change my hair color. I can't change it. I'm half Korean. Um, so the bullying was pretty bad. And my sister got bullied a little bit too. But this is now more present. And you can tell that me and my mom now have somewhat of a relationship. When I say somewhat of a relationship is um, my mother and I didn't always have a relationship. I resented her. Why didn't you leave the man that abused us? So I was abused in every way possible, emotionally, psychologically, uh, sexually, and emotionally from my, from my dad. And I'll just leave that there. You guys don't need the details. But the drugs and alcohol took its toll. So I have those childhood trauma scars that you can't see. They're internal. You, you'll never know the scars that I bear. But as an adult, you know, going through everything as a child, there's a lot of things I didn't understand. I'm a child. I became a teenager. I thought I understood, right? Because when you're 16, you know everything, right? You know how the world turns. You know everything, right? Still was very angry at my mother. Why couldn't you have the strength to leave this man? Why couldn't you have the strength to just take us and just take us to Korea? Why? Why, why, why? I called her names. She called me names. We had a very hostile um, relationship for a very, very long time. It wasn't until I had my own kids and I realized how I can live life following Christ. And I was able to humble myself to see what it was like to be a parent and to love a child so much. Some days it spiraled a little bit deeper for me where it's like, if you loved me as much as I loved my kids, how could you let me go through what I went through, right? But then that journey of now we're at a place where we can actually sit and have a conversation. You would never know our past. If you saw me and my mom's interactions today, you would never know that we had a very, very hard relationship. But growing up, maturing, living with Christ, trying to understand everything, I'm at a different place with my mom. I actually feel sad for her because she immigrated here in 1975. And you guys weren't here in 1975. Um, there was no Koreans here. Mostly there was maybe a couple Chinese people but not, no Koreans. She had no one to connect with. So here's this woman who's completely alienated, doesn't know the system, doesn't even know English, knows nothing, and she's going through all this. So through everything and through reading my Bible and through you know, just going to church every week and listening to the word, I'm at a different place with my mom. I now have empathy for her because I'm like, wow, the things you went through and you still made sure that every day we had food on the, on the table. Like, I look at it differently. So I think with maturity, that definitely uh, helps. So this is me in high school. I was a thin little thing. Um, I remember I, I couldn't gain weight. I wish that was the issue now. But I couldn't gain weight back then. Um, and I actually um, told my mother to feed me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every night before bed. Because everybody thought I was anorexic in high school. I wasn't anorexic. That's my senior year. That's how thin I was senior year in high school. Yep. And so they said, oh, and I would, I would wear baggy clothes. I wore baggy clothes. And if I wore my real clothes, you wouldn't see how thin I actually was, right? So I wore baggy clothes to have that, I'm bigger than, than what I seem. Um, so yeah, so there was a lot of issues that I went through. I was too white, too much red hair, too ethnic, because I only knew how to cook Korean food. 
Um, and I was too thin. I'm too much of what no one wants, right? So it's like that you internalize that for a while. Being bullied in school, I remember one day I had, I had hair that went down to my knees and um, I would always get gum stuck in my hair. My mother would always get angry with me. And I remember one time this girl was really mean to me and she stuck gum in my hair on purpose. And I came home, my mom thought that I yet again accidentally put gum in my hair. So she grabbed my head, pulled it back, cut it all off. I went from this length, and you'll see the picture, to this length. It was, uh, it was quite a moment. Oh, that's another, that's a middle school picture. So why this picture was important for me to share. So in middle school, things started changing slightly, not a lot. In elementary school, I went to an all-white school. I was the only ethnic kid in my class, right? So in middle school, all of a sudden, it became a melting pot. I saw kids from all different shades, and I was like, what? Wow, right? But I'm still white passing. Has anybody ever heard that term, white passing? I'm white passing. You look at me, I'm a typical white girl. You would never know my ethnicity, right? You would never know. But these girls here, who I actually am still friends with, um, not in person, but more on Facebook, they became like my tribe, right? Because they were all the misfits too. That's the misfit group, right? That's us. And then enters Scott. So, you know, when you're a child of abuse, you only understand abuse. You understand relationships equal abuse. So when, when, when you're with a guy and he beats you, that's normal. That's what I grew up with, right? When he just decides to do whatever he wants with you, regardless of what you say, that's normal. Isn't that the way a relationship's supposed to be? Then I meet Scott. And for the first time, a relationship is not painful. It's not me trying to please the person constantly. It's actually a person that, hears, that wants to hear what I have to say. I got into a big argument with my family one night, and I couldn't take, I couldn't take the ridicule anymore. And I literally, I packed up my entire life in 20 minutes, and I ran from home. I left home. I couldn't do it anymore. I had enough. It was a little too much. And then I moved in with this guy. It was definitely a leap of faith. I'm moving in with this guy now, right? I'm like, wow, how similar is my story to my mom's? Eerily similar to my mom's all of a sudden, right? Yeah, kind of crazy, right? But I won the lottery, or she didn't, right? I got the guy that took care of me. I got the guy that put all my pieces back together, right? So then we decided, let's create a family of our own, right? So yes, I know Brett does not like to be in pictures. Sorry, Brett. <laughs> but uh, this is my family. Um, they know bits and pieces of my past, right? Um, and I think it's important for them to know. Yeah, I, I'm very honest with them. Alcoholism, drug addiction runs in my family, runs rampant. You'll never see me pick up a drink, ever. I won't drink socially. I don't tempt fate. I don't tempt the devil. So I just leave it out because I know it's a trigger, right? So I don't even go there. Um, oh, wait. I thought there was other pictures. There, oh, there are. Sorry. I didn't know if you wanted to bring them. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Thank go. you. Because that's what we talked about. <laughs> okay. So in, in my younger years, right, um, I would take my sister to this church. We, we lived in Clifton at the time. So we went to Calvary Baptist Church, right? And it's a really great church. 
Uh, it's in Clifton, right there on Ackerman Ave, Ackerman and Lexington, still there, still looks exactly the same. And it was one mile from my house. And I literally took my sister every day, I mean, every Sunday to church. And I would ask my mom, can we have $2, $1 each to put in the contributions that we're supposed to do? You know, she was just like, fine. My kids want to go to church, fine. That's fine. So we entered the youth group. Lo and behold, a lot of the kids that are in the youth group ended up being in Al-Anon too. So I got to really know them. Now, those of you guys who don't know what Al-Anon is, Al-Anon is a support group for those people who have a family member with drug or alcohol addiction. So it's a support group of people who understand, you know, what you're going through. So some of these kids were also in the youth group. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to youth group. Maybe I'll go. I'll know somebody. All of a sudden, there was all these kids that were actually nice. Oh, kids can be nice. Oh, my gosh, right? So I was just like, this is like a different approach. Someone actually said hi to me. Someone actually smiled at me. That was different, right? So we kept going. Um, And I have to tell you, like, the youth group, I have to say, really was a big turning point for me. You know, there was twice in my childhood that I had attempted suicide. And I failed, luckily, right? Um, But those were like the really, really dark days. And the story behind those days will stay with me. Don't need to know the details of that. Just know that they were very dark that led me to to those moments. And in those moments, I would always ask God, why did you bother making me? What was the point of my life? If all I'm gonna be is a punching bag at home and at school, what's my purpose here, right? All that time, I didn't think he was listening to me, didn't think he was talking back to me because I was angry, right? I'm not going to talk to you now because you're not answering my prayers, right? Kept having the conversation. Then once, my 13th year, at 13, I got baptized. That was the day of my baptism. That was the day I I started following Christ. I went to a Christian retreat. Great escape. It wasn't a great escape, but... It was a Christian retreat. I went, and all of a sudden I saw all these kids that were following Christ. A whole bunch of kids all together following Christ. And I was like, what the heck is going on? These people are just like crazy, right? My first impressions, I was like, oh my gosh. But then throughout the time, just talking to people, and then actually talking to some other kids that actually walked a life similar to mine. I was shocked. I was like, wow, I thought I was alone with that, other than my siblings. And, uh, that's when I decided to have like a real deep conversation. And I remember a youth leader said to me once, have you read the Bible? Did you read the Bible? I said, no, I, don't really, I haven't really gotten around to it. I'm like, do you listen to the sermons? Do you listen to the message that your, your pastor says? Yeah, I listen to it somewhat. I'm like, that's God talking back to you. Boom. I was like, wait, he has been talking back to me this whole time and I just didn't know it? So for me, it was like a big like, huh, wow, okay. Let me rethink this. So I started really, really attending um, everything I could in the church. Brought my sister to it, what we could do, picnics, whatever. Um, I have to say that the youth group really did. They were, the youth kids really helped me get through some of my dark times. Because I would talk to some of them. I didn't talk to everybody, right? I would talk to some of them and some of the issues that I was going through. Um, One person in particular I would confide in quite a bit. And it was just, it felt good to just unload. It felt good to just talk and be like, and not judged, right? Because you're afraid. When you talk, when you talk your truth, it's your truth, right? That's like pulling a bandaid off. That's your truth. You're like the most vulnerable when you talk your truth. 
Now I'm talking about things that I was shameful for. It's not my fault that my innocence was taken at such a young age. It's not my fault, right? But it's a shameful thing to talk about, right? So it's like all of a sudden talking to youth leaders, talking to other youth kids and realizing, wow, like God has been talking with me. God has been following my path. God has been there with me the whole time. Um, it, really, it really was a game changer. And this is not necessarily just to say, hey, the youth group is where it's at. But let me just tell you this. As a youth leader here with you guys, when I tell you guys I'm fully invested in you, that's 100%. That's not like lip service. When I say, hey, you need anything? You call me? That's 100%. That's not lip service, right? Because I had so many adults in my life that didn't do that. There were so many times adults saw the abuse and looked the other way. This was before all of the red flags, right? We're talking 70s, 80s, 90s. Things that are in place today weren't in place back then, right? Abuse happened, you look the other way. Husband would beat his wife, you would look the other way. That's a, that's a civil situation, you'd stay out of it. That was the mindset back then. There was no adult to go to. There was no one to say, hey, this is going on in my household, right? It was just, you, you keep your head down, you keep yourself quiet, and you keep moving, right? So I, you know, I, carry, those, I carry that with me in everything. You know, I, I've gone through great losses. I've lost two friends to suicide. Well, actually, one through murder. She was leaving her boyfriend, and he didn't like that, so he killed her. Uh, another friend that I had, one, one of the friends in there, the picture, which I won't say which one, uh, was brutally raped, got pregnant, had an abortion, and then committed suicide. So when I say I have seen and heard a lot of hard things, I have seen and heard a lot of hard things, right? And so anything you guys bring, it's, it's not to be shameful of, whether you have it or not. Anything you guys have that's, that's weighing on you, it's okay to bring it here. This is the place to bring it. This is the place to talk about it, right? As, as youth leaders, and I know I'm probably not the only one that would say this, we are fully invested in you, right? Because you guys are all made in the image of God. Each one of you guys is an incredibly beautiful human being made in his image. And us leaders, we're here to help serve. We're here to help you guys walk through life, right? Whatever that means. That's what we signed up for. That's what Silas signed up for. That's what Cass signed up for. That's what I signed up for. Chuck, Ian, that's what we all signed up for. Ride or died with us, right? We're here, right? So a couple of things about youth and youth group, student ministries. We all bring something to the table, right? So we all have strengths, passions, some of our values. We also have weaknesses. It's okay. It's okay to talk about all of it. It's okay to rejoice and be excited. You win, you win a, you know, a track meet. Come in here and be explosive and be like, I won my race. Like, I, I want that. But you know what? I also had a crappy day today. I want that too. I want it all, right? I want to walk it with you, right? One thing that we're doing here by surrounding ourselves with each other is we're committed to each other. We're a group, right? We're, we're, we're like kind of like our, what do we call it? The, in a the, in the COVID time, we're our bubble. We're a bubble, right? We're, we got each other. But we all have to be willing to learn and grow. And when I say we all have to be willing to learn and grow, as a leader, 
I have to be willing to learn and grow. There's things you guys experience I may not have ever experienced or ever knew about, right? Just the other day, right? Last couple weeks, not Zaire, um, whatchamacallit was teaching me a new word, right? I was like, what is that word? I don't know what that word is, right? Like, you guys were all teaching me that word, right? Just always coming to the table humble and always, I'm going to be learning from you guys. There's a lot of things you guys are going to be bringing. I'm going to be learning and growing. And that's exciting. That's exciting for me, right? There's also something called deep listening, If you're gonna have a conversation with me and you're saying, Michelle, I need to talk to you about something, I'm 100% there listening. Cell phone goes away, I'm 100% engaged. You got me, right? Let's talk. What is it that's on your chest that you just need to take out, right? It's really, really important. And there might be things that you might need to talk about that's heavy. Bring the heavy, bring the heavy. Don't stay alone with the heavy. I know what staying alone with heavy feels like and I know those dark moments can take you. So don't stay with those dark times. Talk about it. Sorry, I was not going to cry today. (laughs) Um, The one good thing about having youth leader is we're not your parents. Well, some of us are, right? I'm your mom. Ian, you know, I get that. I get that part. But outside of that, right? We're not your parents, right? So there's going to be things you're going to be able to talk to us that you may not be afraid. You may be afraid to talk to your own parents about. That's okay. That's okay. Right? That's what we're here for. We're here to help each other. We're here to help support one another. I don't know why I went through what I went through. Still don't have that answer. I may never get that answer. Right? I don't know what led my mother to fall in love with this white guy from the army that just shows up in an army base. It's supposed to be a civil war that was supposed to break out in 1973 and that never did. Um, but I'm here with that. I come with all of that, right? There's demons that stay with me that I can never shake. They're always with me. Because like I said, these are wounds you don't see. They're not physical wounds, right? So there's things that you guys might be dealing with, not physical. It might be something in your head, something you're thinking about. Maybe somebody said something that spiraled you in the wrong direction. Wouldn't it be nice to have a leader pivot you back? Don't think that way, go this way right? We're here to influence. We're here to help. We're here to guide you. So my walk with Jesus has grown stronger and stronger over the years. Just seeing, you know, the birth of one child, the birth of a second child. We lost one. Birth of a third child. You know, all these, all the blessings of my family, the blessings of a husband who truly, honestly loves me and has never raised a hand, never even yelled at me, which is like, wow. You know, so I appreciate it on a higher level than someone who maybe have never gone through that. Like, I appreciate him on this level. Like, wow, right? Like, again, putting back all my pieces, right? So the reason why I'm sharing all this with you guys is because I know, like, in our women, with the girls, when we all hang out, every now and then I might say a little something like, oh, I wish someone sat with me at lunch. I would say little things like that, and you guys are probably like, what is she talking about, right? I was like, eh, maybe it's time to tell my story, right? It's time to actually tell you guys. It's also hard when your identity, right, who you are, right? And I know that now, even in, t- in present daytime, identity is very difficult, right? There's so many things happening, right? So many changes that are happening, and it's okay. It's okay, right? It's okay. Everything's okay. God made you beautifully, right? So... Be, be your true self, be who you are, and that's okay. And as leaders, we're going to continue showing up every week, 
And we're going to still continue to love you whether you like it or not. We're going to love you whether you like it or not. <laughs> so some of the pictures I want to share with you guys is some of the fun times we've had. Yeah, don't you be shy. Yes, you're in that photo. Yeah. So this is like, so those of you guys that have gone on The Great Escape, this is a thing that the girls do. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I don't mean to leave leaving you out. But the one thing I do with the girls, I spend the entire weekend with the girls. And on the last day, every single time I go, Jewel knows this. Jewel has a bunch of them. <laughs> I present each girl with a gift. And it's usually the same type of gift. And it's usually that bracelet. Does anybody know what that bracelet says? Jewel knows. Don't answer, Jewel. You know it. You know it because you got like five of them. What would Jesus do? And it's a little momentum that I just kind of just, memento, that I just give to the girls. And the reason why I do it is I always, like, the retreat that I went on when I was 13 was a game changer for me. Game changer. I left there feeling, I want to be baptized. I left that weekend going, okay, I'm going to get baptized. I'm fully accepting Jesus. This is the path that I'm going. No turning back. Right? So... For me, retreat weekends, so important. They're so important. And I always want the girls to always remember those weekends. So those are little things to remember. That was the weekend that I spent with Michelle. That was the weekend I spent with the other girls, right? So, yeah, Jewel has a bunch of them. Then we have our leader, right? Silas. So Silas is important. To me, and I know he knows this already. I know I'm going to be like a really cornball, Silas, sorry. But Silas is important because, number one, I actually watched him grow up in the church, which is actually kind of amazing, right? Maybe not his entire life. I didn't come when he was little, little. But long enough, um, and my oldest son, Mitchell, really took a liking to him. And Mitchell didn't want to join the youth group. He was too shy. And me, youth group was the game changer for me. My kids are going to be in youth group, right? And I remember calling Silas, and I said, Silas, please, please, <laughs> please invite Mitchell. If, he tells, if you tell him I told you this, he will kill me. Do not reveal that I have asked you to ask him. And he did. Um, and so Mitchell started going, and I became a youth leader. And then he's been coming ever since. So, and now Silas is the leader of our student ministries. So how amazing is that for me to get to see that? And that's a joy and a pleasure for me to actually watch that. And these are just some other fun moments that we've had. I love being silly with you guys because that's how we build a relationship. You, don't, you guys don't know Monica. Joel knows Monica. Monica was one of the girls in youth group years ago. Silas knows Monica. I still hang out with Monica. She's awesome. And then that's my Jewel. Jewel's mine. I love all you guys, but Jewel is mine. She knows that. She knows she's mine, right? Ride or die forever, lady, right? <laughs> and then this is, uh, this is an awesome weekend. This is the Great Escape weekend. If you, guys, if you guys haven't gone to Great Escape, please, next January, come. This is the leaders, uh, and we have a lot of fun. It's great. And like I said, anytime there's an ability to have a retreat, I'm all in. I'm all in, right? I want to be that leader, the same as that leader that was for me that same leader that helped me see God, I want to be that leader for you guys. Like, I want to pay it forward, right? So that's my story.
That's okay. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Who asked nicely about what? Um, <laughs> um, don't you point. You did the same thing. Guys, let me, let me say, let me have like one minute, maybe two, okay? Um, first of all, thank you, Michelle, so much for sharing. Like, I, I, love, I love sharing parts of my story when I'm up here with you guys. But, well, one, I don't have as much life experience as Michelle, Okay. In, in so many ways, all right? Um, so I love hearing other people's stories. And I'm, I'm especially grateful for Michelle, just her honesty and vulnerability, and her sharing her real self with you guys, the good parts of her life, the parts that were difficult and, and that she struggled through and just had to kind of like just pick herself up day by day. I love that she shared that story, her story with you guys, because I think it shows us a few things, okay? One, that each and every one of you has a story that is special and unique and valuable and that God cares about, even in the most difficult things that you're going through that maybe you haven't shared with anyone, God cares deeply about each and every one of you. And, and I know I say this a lot, but our, our mission as a youth group, it's welcoming students as they are, okay? And I'm, I'm especially grateful for Michelle sharing because she... By sharing this with you, she is inviting each and every one of you to come as you are. Michelle is coming as she is. She's not coming trying to put on the polished, a polished person and trying to show her best, but she's saying, this is my life. This is my life. And also, this is what God has done in it. And, and that's, that's what I, I desire and I hope that our group is, is a safe space where all of you can come as you are. The good parts the parts that are scary and difficult, that are hidden away and dark. I'm really grateful that you shared, Michelle, because I hope that it's a reminder to each and every one of you that you are loved right where you're at, that you are deeply cared for, that your lives and stories are valuable. I hope that Michelle's story reminded you all of that. And also the second thing, Michelle said this, we as leaders, we are fully invested. We love you guys. And we're not your parents, which I think is kind of cool. Because all your parents, they, they have a special role to raise you and, 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 you know, do it the right way. We just get to be people. We just get or try to do it the right way, right? Right. Uh, um, but we as leaders, we just get to be listening here. We're here for you guys 100%. We're committed. We're in. I forget the exact words that Michelle kept saying, but, like, we are 100% in it with you guys. We're here for you guys. We're here for you to text us. To call us, we'll pray for you, we'll listen to you, whatever's going on in your, in your, um, in your lives. We love you guys deeply. Um, and hopefully that's just a reflection of how much God loves you and cares about you um, in your stories. All right? So let's just clap for Michelle one more time. Make sure... If you can feel free, like, talk to Michelle after. If you have questions or things you want to just say that you're grateful for or... Uh, if you just want to talk to her or talk to any of us, but uh, we're here for you guys and we love you guys. Let me pray uh, and then we'll head out. But don't leave. You can hang out until your parents are here, but don't leave without getting a summer calendar for me, okay? Because all those things are times we get to come, come together, have fun, but also opportunities to share our stories together as well, which is really important. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for 
your, your love for us, how you continually remind us, even in the darkest moments, that we matter, uh, that we are valuable to you, that we are made in your image. Um, we thank you for Michelle and her story and her willingness to share, for her vulnerability um, that actually encourages us to um, be honest and share our real selves, to come as we are. We thank you for Michelle and the example that she leads for us uh, to, to follow in the ways that Michelle follows you and loves you um, and seeks to do what is good and, and what you love. We thank you for just the, rem- uh, the reminders of, throughout Michelle's stories, story of uh, just the value in our lives and in her life. Um, we thank you for Michelle and just the, the leader that she is, the person that she is, and the story that you continue to write in her life. Um, and we also thank you for all the students here, for all of us. Uh, we just ask that you would continue to write a good story with our lives, even in our darkest moments, um, the things that we celebrate, but also the things that we struggle with um, or, or the things that maybe we're not so good at or not so proud of. Uh, would, you, would your light shine through and lead us um, to a life that is healthy and filling um, and a life that is full of you? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.